0: Hi guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the One Broke Actress podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I'm your host, Sam Valentine, aka One Broke Actress. It is a beautiful Friday while I record this in Los Angeles. The smoke from the fire has cleared quite a bit. Um, thank you everyone who reached out mostly my family, (laughs) to check and see if I was okay. Um, So all's well for us over here. You guys, thank you so, so much for the follows on Instagram and for sharing the podcast. I would honestly rather have you share it uh, on a social media platform or tell your friends about it than have you review it. I mean, listen, I'd rather have you do both, but it's like, more important that more people see this than for me to have a bunch of reviews or something. So I'm an actor. I'm self-validating, right? Right? Do you love me? Hmm? All right. It's one of those intros. (laughs) So this week, we have Amir Talai on the podcast. Amir became successful initially coming to Los Angeles from San Francisco, and he did a shit ton of commercial work. He worked his way into theatrical, where now you have seen him on a ton of shows, co-star, guest star, reoccurring. Most recently, you probably saw him on L.A. to Vegas as Dylan McDermott's co-pilot, Alan. <laughs> Amir is Awesome. He is opinionated and he is real. On this podcast, he breaks down for us his journey into the business, how he got so good at commercials that agents came knocking on his door. He also shared with us a few of the questions he asked in his initial meetings with reps. So if anybody is looking for new reps right now, like I just was, um there is some good hints in there. For you on that. Uh, He also talks about how he auditions commercially and theatrically in two different ways. And he also gets really down and real with us about ethnicity and inclusion in casting and in roles and his incredibly educated opinion on how we fix this entire process you guys are going to really appreciate his views on a lot of things, and I think you're going to have a few laughs in the process. So without further ado, please enjoy Amir Talai. Hi. Cool. So I am here with Amir Talai.
1: Hi. Hi.
0: Thanks for coming today. <laughs> My pleasure. This was awesome. Straight from an audition.
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. The weirdest commercial breakdown I've ever seen. It Literally, Perfect. it was... Um, hipster car expert that girls want to bang. I was like, what? What in the hell does that even mean?
0: So that really informed your character. Didn't it? I was just like,
1: look, I'm going to put on a nice T-shirt and that's it.
0: I appreciate the hipster vibe of your T-shirt. Oh, okay, great. It's like a, a gray graphic tee with like vines and flowers sure. for the folks at home. <laughs> that's Awesome. So, uh, Amir, kind of give us a little breakdown of you in acting. Where'd you come from? How'd you get here?
1: Um, Born and raised in San Francisco. Did some work when I started there, just in sort of like commercials and voiceover. But there's not a lot of film and TV there. Um, So after a couple years, I sort of hit a ceiling where I was like, I'm going to work as much as I can here, and it's not enough. So, uh, So I moved to L.A., Um, a few years after college, that was 16 years ago. Okay. Um, I was union when I moved down. Um,
0: so you joined the union in San Francisco? In San Francisco, yeah.
1: Um, uh, and, um, and once I got here, I just started grinding, you know, just started looking for an agent and started looking for opportunities. Um, whether Did you have
0: reps in San Francisco?
1: I did, yeah. Um, there's like, at at that time, there was only three agents there. There may only be three still there may be two (laughs) I don't know um and uh yeah so when I got here just started taking classes uh and submitting myself for stuff doing theater meeting people agreeing to do you know little weekend shoots as much as I could Mm -hmm. and um yeah just slowly built up from you know co-star to guest star to guest lead to series reg pretty much
0: Awesome! Yeah, you make it sound so simple, Amir. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny.
1: Like, it kind of is in the sense that it's um, it's uh, you just have to keep going, right? So just keep. You just have to keep doing things. It's not simple in the sense that there's there's one path, but 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 really there is one thing that you have to keep doing, which is just grind. Just grind in any way you can, right? Whether that, like I said, whether that is doing theater to meet people or um, doing shoots or writing your own stuff, you know, just get up every day and do something. And that's what I did for the first probably two, three, four years until I sort of had a great team behind me to the point that I didn't need to do as much of the creation of opportunities on my own part got it yeah
0: did how did you amass that team while you were building it
1: it was really just dumb luck you know what i mean and that's that's the other thing is that there's no there's no like key to doing that it's really just dumb luck you know the first agent i got she was brand new uh to her to having her own agency it was called the Soul Agency. And um, she was just hungry but really talented. And so I, I was like, oh, well, she, her agency has been open for a month. And wow. I have no agent. So we're a good match. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I didn't go for uh, the you know the Gersh's or the Conner's. Um, I was just like, let me go with someone who's just starting too. Mm-hmm. And so we were hungry together. And she was great. And then I lucked into a, um, I lucked into a pilot um, because the creator was my teacher at the Groundlings. Um, so, awesome. I, so I got this audition and nailed it, um, actually tested against Rami Malik.: uh, Really? That was a l- 12 years ago. That was 12 years ago.: wow. Yeah, pretty wild, right? Um, and my, my contract said... Rami Malik on it. Cause they forgot oh. to,
0: <laughs> to make one for you. Yeah.
1: They forgot to change that when they, they just printed two copies and they're like, here, um, <laughs> <And> <laughs> um, did
0: that phase you before you went into um, the room?
1: No, not at all. I was like, I was like, this is just, you're eh. just there. Yeah. It's just dumb. Um, so, um, so I lucked into that pilot. The co-producers of that pilot were also managers, so then they became my managers, and I've been with them, you know, for fourteen years now.
0: Oh, you're still with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then wow. Soul um, Soul quit uh, the business uh, a few years ago, and I, I did. A, it's cheesy, but I did sort of a LeBron thing where I like met with the best commercial agents in town. And they all wanted me, which was amazing. And um, and then you know this one woman was starting up a division at a new agency, and she reached out to me, uh, which I thought was really cool because yeah. I was like, "How do you even know that I was looking?" Yeah, and she was like, "I heard that Soul shut down, and I know who you are." And I was like, "That's fucking awesome." So
0: did you feel so cool?
1: Yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm taking my talents to DPN. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so then I've just, so I've been with Jen at DPN for five, six years now. And so yeah, it's really just sort of luck that that those kind of things happened, right? T- I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Now, granted, I kept grinding. That's how you put yourself in the right place. Yeah, at the you right had time. the
0: workload I, to follow it up.
1: Yeah, I kept training. Um, and yeah, I'm talented, but there's a lot of talented people who don't have good agents.
0: In those situations, like where you had commercial agents vying for your attention and that kind of a thing, what made you pick the one you did? Like, what about that meeting stood out for you? Because I think a lot of our audiences trying to find reps or doing things like that. And, and it's, it's a tough decision to make.
1: Yeah, um well, the it, I I met with three big agencies and then this one smaller one, DPN. And um and at the end it came down to really sort of, you know, it was not a coin flip. You know, it was like 55-45 because the this other big agency was great. I got a good vibe from them in the room. Mm-hmm. They seemed sort of locked in in the uh in the meeting and interested in me. Um you know the three big agencies i was i was talking to were all i would have been happy at any of them right because they were all sort of uh powerful and coming from where i was coming from which i was a, a i'm a busy working commercial actor that pretty much all of the casting directors in town know it's not so much about are they going to get me out yeah for me for me yeah at where i was in my career it's more so like does the vibe feel right? Um, and those last two, it came down to this big one and then Jen at DPN. Um, and I was like, look, if I wasn't meeting with Jen, I'd be happy at this other agency, AKA. Um, I, I really like these people. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the guys at AKA said, uh, said, listen, after six months when things don't work out at DPN, we're still going to be here for you, <laughs> which I thought was so ballsy and great. I loved it. It was hilarious. It's like a line
0: from a, <laughs> from a movie. Yeah,
1: right? Um, and that was six years ago. I've been happy with DPN ever since. But yeah, it was just like, got a great vibe from Jen in the meeting. Um, I loved that she, um, I loved that she had pursued me. You know, like she, one of her clients was a Facebook friend of mine. So she, he contacted me for her. And I was like, I just like the sort of go-getter yeah, uh, spirit there. Um, That's awesome. And then also, I was like, I was like, would you be open to uh, lo- talking to my wife because she's looking for commercial rep too? And she was like, yeah. And it was interesting, you know. I knew that 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 was just sort of look. I don't know if she- you're gonna rep my wife if you're gonna do well for my wife. But the idea that she was like, yeah, I'll meet her.
0: She was on board. Yeah.
1: And she ended up repping her. And then my wife ended up quitting the business like a year later. And it was fine. (laughs) But but it was interesting. You know, some of the bigger agencies were like, well, you know, it's certainly a conversation we'd be open to. And I get it. Like I was making an ask that is not common. Right. Mm -hmm. I was saying, okay, you're interested in me. Great. What about my wife? And let's throw that in. Right. Just basically negotiating. Yeah. And and so Jen was cool like, cause
0: I feel like you don't get to negotiate very often these days. It's I'll very
1: think. rare. It's very rare for actors to be able to negotiate. But when you are in a position to do it, you got to do it did you because have, it's so rare. Did
0: you have a manager when you yes. were submitting to these guys? Yeah. So, so was I, that helping?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, he was like, he was like, look, I'll set soul quit. So let's set you up with the three uh, best commercial agents in town, set you up with meetings with them. And then when Jen came through, I was like, Hey, I want to meet with Jen too. He's like, okay, but l- let's not meet with too many people because honestly, every commercial agent in town would be lucky to have you. So you don't want to have 20 meetings. Like let's, let's I stop. Like let's stop manager. at four. <laughs> I like this manager. Not yeah. Wasting I mean, your time. well, yeah, but again, you know, I, uh, I was very, I'm very fortunate to be in that position to, to where I've worked commercially. All the casting directors know me. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so let's let's make the most of this situation.
0: Let's let's talk about that a little bit. How do you feel like you got to that point where you were being offered?
1: Well, first of all, Soul was a fantastic commercial agent, right? So she had great relationships. She was getting me in everywhere. Um my previous commercial agents um were uh, not getting me out that much. Um, but once I started going out with soul, she was getting me out a ton. And, you Is know.
0: it just a different person or did you change like any of your photos or anything like that? Um, I'm always curious about no, the particulars. Yeah, I, I think it
1: was mostly uh, her. Cool. Um, you know, I, I obviously did get better photos as time went on. Um, and also I started delivering in the room uh, you know, you, you do better. You know, I was already, I was a pretty good commercial actor to start, but I also took some really important classes, um, people who aren't around anymore, unfortunately. Um, oh, and, my. uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I always say to commercial actors, it's important that you watch a lot of commercials so that you understand the tone of whatever commercial you're trying out for. Um, you know, like is the is this sort of absurd, like a Taco Bell, or is this sort of like chill, like The Office, like w- what is it?
0: It's the same um, research you do for a theatrical audition.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, but I but I think as opposed to thinking of it like sort of uh, researching a specific audition, it's more getting those different tones to be sort of colors in your palette that you can pull out immediately. Okay. Right? Like uh, like when I get to an audition, I read the script and I go, oh, this is one of those, yeah. right? And I know what they're going for. And sometimes I'm in the room with a guy who, like, doesn't get it, right? Who thinks, oh, this is one of those chill ones or this is one of those big ones and he's wrong, right? Because maybe that's what he's good at mm-hmm. as opposed to that's what the spot calls for. Um, so, yeah, watch a lot of commercials. And I also... Again, I'm lucky that I go out so much because the more you go out, the better you are at auditioning. Yeah. Right? So that's just, if you're not going out a lot, you need to be doing something that approximates going out so that when you get an audition, it feels uh, like falling out of bed. Gotcha. Which, which auditioning does for me at this point, right?
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. Okay, cool. Did you? As soon you were at UCB too? You said or Groundlings?
1: I was at Groundlings. Yeah, uh, UCB was just getting started when I when I started doing uh, improv in town, and so UCB like wasn't really a thing uh, here. It was in New York, but uh, but here it was either Second City or Groundlings, and I actually went to Second City for uh, like ten weeks, and I uh, I hated it so much that I thought I hated improv. <laughs> I was going to quit improv. I was like, oh, I think improv was just a college thing. I no longer like improv. And my friend was like, T- will you please take a class with me at Groundlings? I think it'll be different. And he was right. I, my first two teachers were fantastic at the Groundlings. And I was like, oh, okay, I do love that this. Different? Very, very, very different. Wow, yeah. I mean, um, and then good thing that happened because that second Groundlings teacher was the woman who co-created the pilot that I got that helped me get my manager. Yeah. So...
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just crazy the timing of it and the fact that my friend, you know, he's one of my best friends, but like, what are the chances that your best friend is going to be like, dude, just take a class at Growlings. I promise you.
0: Well, and the fact that you did it too.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, because I was in this place where I was like, man, fuck improv. It's lame. (laughs) And, you know, in certain places it still is.
0: Yeah, right. (laughs) Also, just getting in your car and showing up to something in Los Angeles is like a task among itself. <clears throat> so that's like commercially then. Do you, did you, were you also auditioning theatrically at that time?
1: Um, I was, yeah, I was auditioning theatrically after about a year. I, the, that first year I was submitting myself for stuff off mm-hmm. of breakdowns, um, doing like theater. Um, and, little shoots here and there walking, you know, dropping off at casting offices, you know, I got, I, I was getting the breakdowns. And so if they, if there was something that I was right for, I would drop, this was, you know, this was back when it was headshots were the submissions. I
0: was going to say, you went casting offices and dropped off at
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like I was like, I was like, oh, I see that you're looking for a Middle Eastern funny guy in his early twenties. Here's my headshot. Um, whereas now it's all online.
0: How'd you have the breakdowns?
1: Um, back then, and it, it, uh, it, still may be the case, but back then the breakdowns went out as a PDF and various people would sell them on the black market. Oh, okay. Um, so like,
0: I've heard of this.
1: Yeah. So I don't know how it works now. Okay. I feel like you have to log in probably. I think so. Um, yeah. It's like the
0: other end of actors access. It's yeah. the non-actors access. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Um yeah, and it's pretty shitty. It's 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 pretty shitty that actors don't have access to all the breakdowns. It's the only um it's run by this one guy, I think his name is Gary Marsh, is owns breakdown services. But um but but acting is the only business in the entire world where job opportunities are not available to all applicants. Like not all actors are allowed to know what is casting, which is insane to me. It's
0: crazy. It's
1: not, it's not right. And it's a very strange monopoly that he has. Um, and when he catches people sharing breakdowns, um, he will sue them and it's, uh, it's fucked up and it's not right. And I think all actors should have access to all audition notices, you know, uh, if 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 casting directors want to say, you know, we're only going to accept submissions from actors at these agencies, at these five or 20 or 50 agencies, okay, like, feel free to weed out your submissions that way. Right. But the idea that, like, no, we're not even going to let you know what is casting. And if you take steps to find out, we'll sue you. I think that's garbage. I do, too. I just think it's... Uh, bad business frankly yeah right you're keeping people out of the market yeah yeah
0: it's it's just such a hurdle to jump through yeah (sighs) yep
1: yeah pisses me off yeah (laughs) so that's why that's why i had no problem uh stealing the breakdowns 10 15 years ago totally um and if gary wants to come get me right now for something i stole 10 years ago you
0: now have his come at me bro (laughs) yeah
1: um but uh
0: and if Gary's listening to this podcast, yeah, and you can I, find me. At... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not recommending that people do that now uh, because that would be recommending breaking the law. But but I will say this. I do feel like the law is bullshit. The w- the situation he has set up is bullshit. Um, And frankly, I don't even know how you'd go about stealing the breakdowns now. I guess you would have to like...
0: I know a borrow someone's few login people I don't who know. have them and I don't know how they have them and they won't tell me how they have them.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing It's like, because he's gotten sort of intense with his litigation, people are more and more worried. Like back then, bro, everyone was fucking emailing the breakdowns <laughs> to each other. It was not na- like, it was oh, funny. Cause I like,
0: killed for that. S-
1: someone was like, you know, someone was getting the breakdowns and then they would like, they would have 10 people that they emailed them to and they would get like $100 a month from all 10 of those people, right? And then those 10 people would all have 10 people that they emailed them to, and they were getting like $35 a month. For so sure. there was there's this, like, it was crazy. <laughs> it was such like, it was the Wild, Wild West, you know what I mean? Um,
0: I love that it's like a drug ring mafia <laughs> breakdown. Right,
1: and there was no way to really... Uh, 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 monitor that because you were just forwarding emails. Yeah. Now I think it's different because you're logging in and I don't know, IP addresses. I'm not a tech guy. I don't know how it works, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I think people do it less now.
0: Yeah. Womp womp. <laughs> so you were doing things like that for theatrical to start.
1: For the first like year or so. And then, and then I got with soul after a year
0: did they rep you across the board?
1: Um, initially, Seoul rep me just for uh, theatrical, for film and TV, and then at, I, and I was with another agency, uh, DDO, oh, for commercials. I them at one point. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a few years, uh, I wasn't terribly happy at DDO, so I decided to go to Seoul across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And I was glad I did because as soon as I did, it really jumped up in the in the commercial world, which is something, right? I was yeah. with DDO, a strong agency. Uh, at least at the time, but I wasn't getting out that much, and then when I jumped over with her, I was like, "Ah, oh, you're doing so great for me theatrically, and I'm not terribly happy at DDO right now, so let's go across the board." Then suddenly my commercial auditions. Shot up.
0: That's such a testament to not just looking at bigger agencies too, and up-and-coming ones. I think it's a common misconception that like boutique agencies and super small ones are, are just, you know pushed aside to look for big ones, and I think it's so important to look at all the the people involved instead of just the names.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sol was coming from, she had been at uh, what at that time was called KSA. It's now called KMR. I know KMR. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But she had worked as an agent at a larger firm for several years before she struck out on her own. So that was part of it, right? It's like, what's your pedigree? Who are you? You know, that was important to me to find out in our first meeting, right? Okay, you've been an agent for a month um, or you've had your agency for a month. What's your background?
0: Yeah. Oh, these are great yeah. questions asked for meetings. Yeah, Guys, take a note. Yeah. <laughs> Write this down. Yeah. So let's talk about theatrical auditions for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You excelled really well commercially. Did, did you feel like you had the same success theatrically off the bat? Or did you have to, did you take classes? Like, talk, talk me through that a little yeah, bit.
1: Yeah, well, I took classes for probably the first, like, Thirteen years I was in town um, with a guy named Richard Seyd, S E Y D. Who he's fantastic, and I highly recommend him. Um, and uh, you know, theatricals—it's uh, it—it was—it's it, been good for a while. I think I, you know, Soul was getting me out a fair amount when I got with my manager. Uh, at that at that time, was called Principato Young. Um, they were getting me out. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a unique situation to be a Middle Eastern American, uh, because there's a smaller range of roles that you're up for, but there's a smaller talent pool that you're up against. So it, so, you know, uh, it's, I was getting out a similar amount to some of my, uh, white friends, but probably less, right?
0: How has that changed in the last 13, 16 years?
1: Um, you know, it's gone through waves. Um, it hasn't changed a whole lot, really.
0: Um, yeah, that kind of surprises me.
1: Yeah, because um, there is this
0: whole big diversity push going on right now, and yeah. I wanted—I was curious how that affected your career, or do you feel like it did?
1: You know, it's it it is very um, particular to. Various actors. It really depends on the actor. Um, there's so many factors. Uh, a lot of it comes down to look, and there's there's a lot of colorism, right? So so darker skinned um, uh, non-white people uh, have generally have fewer auditions, um, mm-hmm. but not always, right? Um, and then it also, you know, a lot of it depends on your vibe, right? So like for me, I don't get that many auditions for bad guys. Um, but there's Middle Eastern guys who only get auditions for bad guys, right? And don't get any of the comedy auditions that I get. So a lot of it depends on your vibe, on your, your, um, skills, um, and then your look. So it's, it's so, it's so particular. It's hard to say, like, how's it been for Middle Eastern actors? Now, I will say a new study just came out, um, that was studying Middle Eastern actors, uh, as series regulars. And for the most part, um, Middle Eastern people, Middle Eastern series regulars are usually playing, um, foreign, uh, bad guys, um, so, uh, if that's your thing, <laughs> right. right, like my friend uh, Navid Negabon, he played Abu Nazir on homeland the first oh, two or mm-hmm, three seasons, mm-hmm. right like that's his strike zone, you know yeah. what I mean, so he's been working a lot, and you know it helps that he's ridiculously talented, but he's also like right in the pocket for what Hollywood's looking for when it comes to middle Eastern people mm-hmm. um you know, for me, it's different because I'm not that type at all, but I do have a big improv background, right? So when they're looking for, um, someone who is, uh, ethnic, but not too ethnic, right? Because I'm pretty light skinned. Uh-huh. Um, you don't look at me the way you look at Naveed and go, Oh, middle Eastern, right? It helps that I don't have an accent. Um, so if they want that, if they want, you know, the guy who's like number six or seven on the call sheet, because they realize that their entire cast is white and they go, oh, shit, this is a bad fucking look. Um, then they go, OK, well, maybe we can bring this guy in. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like it's like, well, yeah, because he's he's a different, <laughs> but still works on CBS.
0: <laughs> he doesn't it's like CBS. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Right. <laughs> what uh do you do most of your breakdowns that you get say like middle eastern or do you feel like you've gotten have you booked roles that were necessarily like open ethnicity or originally made for a white character
1: yeah so i get two different types of auditions right it'll either say middle eastern or it'll say all ethnicities um and uh and uh I've talked about this a little bit on the, uh, on the stuff I've written, uh, online, but, but generally when you're trying out for Middle Eastern, uh, as that study showed, um, usually it's an accent and usually it's a bad guy. Um, about 80% of the time, which is a lot. It's
0: that surprises really, me that it's still that. It's
1: really high. I knew it was bad, but when I saw that it was about 80% of the time, that lot. was really, really depressing. Um, but at the same time, sort of like a relief because I was like, oh, 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 great. I'm not crazy. This, okay. is, this is what I thought. <laughs> this is what I thought. And now now that the numbers are out, maybe we can start to change this. So that's for Middle Eastern roles. Now, the roles that say all ethnicities, what's interesting is they're often written as white um, because most writers in Hollywood, most employed writers in Hollywood, are white. Um, so so they just sort of quote unquote write what they know and they'll just give the characters names like Ben and Dave and Ethan and Joe. And then when they get to the casting stage, uh, the casting director, who the vast majority of casting directors I come in contact with are, are sort of a, a lot smarter about this stuff. They'll go, great. So I'm looking at this cast. You've got Joe and Dave and Ethan and Brent. Um, any room here to maybe make one of these people not white? And usually the, the writer will go, oh, yeah, 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 sure, totally. Um, now, that being said, they they wrote the role as, you know, Brent Johnson, which is a white guy's name, Definitely. right? So, you know, props to them for being like, look, I wrote it as Brent Johnson just because that's what was in my head but I'm not locked into that. So, okay, great. So, um, small victories. yeah, Right. So then, so then they'll, um, so then they'll, they'll bring in, um, people of all ethnicities for that role. And sometimes they'll change the name and sometimes they won't, you know? Um, like, I think I, I, I got cast as a Sergio one time and a, uh, I feel like I got cast as like Jeremiah. Something crazy. And and fortunately, like uh, uh in both of those situations, I was like I was like, hey, I don't I don't know if this works. I don't know if I read as this. I got cast as a Stanley one time. There's no Persian people named Stanley. Most specifically because if my parents named me Stanley, they would pronounce it Estanli. So then then the people at the hospital would be like, wait, Stanley with a E at the yes. beginning?
0: So, so in that
1: case, I think we changed it to like David or something like that. Um, but, but so it's interesting, uh, you know, if the, the same study that came out uh, uh, last month shows that a good portion of the time when Middle Eastern people are playing series regulars, they're not playing Middle Eastern people. They're playing Brent Johnson, um, which for a lot of people feels like a victory. Right. It's like, oh, I don't want to play Abu Nazir. I just want to play Brent Johnson. Yeah. And like for me, I want to play someone named Abu Nazir with the biography of a Brent Johnson.
0: Uh huh.
1: Right. Like I want to play a guy who's got a Middle Eastern name, but he's a Middle Eastern American guy, um, you know, who grew up here, who has nothing to do with terrorism. He, like he's not a terrorist. He's and he's not a terrorist fighter. He's just like a guy like me who like grew up in San Francisco, likes rap music and SNL and like, you know what I mean? Uh Just like a regular dude. Um, But usually Hollywood is like, well, if you're a regular dude, then your name is Brent Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And I think that's part of the, you know, I don't think there's any surprise then that half the country thinks we should get rid of all the Muslims because when they see Muslims, they see terrorists And that's on the news and then that's also on TV, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Do you think for Hollywood to have an impact on this, would you, like what would be your prescription to kind of alleviate some of this? Would you, like more writers, like different, you know, stories to be told? Yeah. I mean, yeah,
1: you, you basically just have to bring more diverse people into the process from at every stage. Um, and, and you know what a lot of people don't think about is they don't think about, um, all of the unpaid internships in town. And, um, the fact is that most unpaid interns are going to be white people whose parents have the means to support them while they work as, right, exactly. Right. Obviously that's not across the board, but, but. But the majority, and so when those entry level jobs are filled primarily with white people, then the second level jobs are primarily filled with white people, and all the way up, right? You can't just put in an activist as the head of CBS, right?
0: (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Right.
1: Um, but But what you can do is if you fill up the entire bottom level of CBS with soldiers for diversity and inclusion of people of color, women, women of color, um, LGBT people, disabled people, right? Yeah. Um, I think the phrase is people with disabilities. Um, then, as those people rise up the ranks, that's when changes start to happen, right? So, um, so you know, if, if your writing staff is white and then you throw in one non-white producer they are going to have a a lot of effect and that's good. But if you can get the people in the writing staff to have a more diverse background, you know, both sort of ethnically and, and as far as gender, but also, you know, as far as socioeconomic background and life experience. Right. I mean, you know, it's no, it's no um, accident that most Saturday night live writers over the decades have been uh, white Jewish guys, right? Because that sort of that uh, you 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 hire people that are like you, right? Yeah. Not because you're racist, but just because like you vibe with them.
0: Yeah, that's your network.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, so there needs to be more of a deliberate effort at every level, right? You can't just be like you can't you can't just have your pilots. All written by white people and then go okay now let's try to diversify the casts
0: right <laughs> right you're still getting white the, people stories right exactly yeah
1: right or you've got you know middle eastern people playing playing brent johnson which is yeah. like <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: i want you in charge <laughs> can you make this happen? i'll do my best why don't you be in charge of cbs <laughs> oh
1: that's by the way, CBS has done a lot better this year than previous years. I think they have four shows, four new shows top lined by people of color, which is like very rare. Um I don't think they've ever had that. Um they're they're doing more work. And plus they got, you know, they're they're cleaning house a little bit, so that's good too. Yeah. What's his butt is out. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then some of their some of their more shit bag EPs are getting the boot. <laughs> and that's good. I think it's like the NCIS New Orleans guy.
0: Oh, I don't know if I know
1: him. Yeah fucking gross dude really yeah i Uh, mean it's is it any surprise um god what is the head of cbs what was his name i'm blaming right now
0: i've read it on deadline a hundred times in the past six months
1: yeah um anyway he's out and so is it any surprise that he loved employing sexual shit bags um no so now he's out and some of them some of the other guys are getting the boot and hopefully they clean the house the fuck up
0: i'm down (laughs) Make it a safe place for me to audition. Sure. I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, that was so cool. I don't even want to follow that, but we're going to try. Great. <laughs> um, so you get a role. It is for Brent Johnson or Amir <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And let's – do you want to talk a little bit about L.A. to Vegas? Happy to. Okay, cool. What was that process like from beginning to end of a pilot – that was, a full season. Um, well, uh,
1: that was wild. Well, that wasn't actually a really interesting situation because I tried out for the role of Artem, which ended up being played by Peter Stormar. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. And the role was initially conceived as Armenian, and then they weren't quite getting the actor that they wanted, so they were like, "Okay, well let's let's expand the age range, let's expand the ethnicity," and. For whatever reason, it it just wasn't working. At that point, I was one of the people who went in for it. Felt good about my audition, but not great. Yeah. uh, Because, I don't know, it just wasn't a perfect fit. Um, In the end, they decided to go with Peter, who I thought was really interesting and a a strange choice and uh, in a good way. Um, And then the night before they started shooting, they had the role of co-pilot Alan. And I actually didn't know this at the time, but their intention was to have a weird, different co-pilot every episode, kind of like Murphy Brown's assistants, oh. right? Um, they would always have her, you know, interview someone weird and then mm-hmm. it never worked out. They would just be gone the next yeah. episode. <laughs> so they thought it was going to be someone sort of a different, weird uh, co-pilot. And they said, look, there's this role in the pilot, Amir. We liked your first audition. There's this role in the pilot, two lines. Um, no idea what's going to happen after the pilot. Are you interested? And they just offered me the part. The night before. Yeah. Um, And what's interesting is (laughs) the role is Alan, which I normally would have asked them to change the name. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. But because it was the night before, because it was a straight offer, um, I was like, look, I know they're not going to have time to sort of like run this up the flagpole. Yeah, yeah. So forget it. I'll just play Alan. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, So I played the part. Did, like, two lines in the pilot, felt great about it, um, and uh, got to work with Dylan McDermott, who's, like, one of my, like, idols, who I've always loved. Um, and we just had sort of a great chemistry.
0: Yeah, you guys work off each other so well <laughs> in that show.
1: Um, and apparently in the um, test audiences, when they played the pilot for uh, test audiences, which when pilots get uh, get made, uh, if anyone doesn't know this, they play the pilots for test audiences, usually in Las Vegas. So if you're walking around the casinos at Las Vegas and they go, hey, you want to see a new TV show? They're asking you about pilots. I didn't
0: know they do that in Vegas. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because it's
1: a big cross-section of America.
0: Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. To yeah,
1: um, and people have time. Like, unlike yeah. like New York, there's a lot of Americans there too. But like people, there's like
0: no, no one in New York has time for that, right? And
1: also, <laughs> there's so many people who work in New York who are walking around that it's tough to sort of handle that. But in Vegas, almost everyone walking around is a tourist
0: and on vacation. Yeah, no way. Cool. and
1: and they're like, "Do you want to see a brand new TV show? It's an hour of your time, and then you get to tell CBS if you like it." And so usually tourists are like, "Oh, that's different. I'm into it." So um, so they showed the pilot to these test audiences in Vegas and apparently I tested well people liked my character um and fox was like we like your uh chemistry with Dylan so we got picked up for uh uh something like 12 more episodes 11 more episodes
0: how much of that information did you do they give you about tests like does your agent come back to you and say just say it or do they like send you a fat, um, like an the, email the, you know
1: i after we after the show got picked up i was excited because i was like okay well so at least the first episode that i'll be in will air great yeah. um they called and they were like look uh they really like you they want they want to keep you on the show for a bit they they don't really know what it's going to look like though because they still had that idea that there was going to be a different co-pilot every week mm-hmm. so they said out of the first um 10 episodes, right. We got picked up for 10 more out of the first 10. They want you to be in five of them. So they just want to make sure that you're available, um, over the next, uh, five weeks or so.
0: What point in pilot season was this or was this? This was after we got picked up. So this
1: was, this was, um, we got picked up in May and then we started to have this conversation in like June, Cool. Right? Where they, where they were like, okay, it's picked up. Then they, then they took some time to be like, okay, what do we want to do with Amir? Um, and so basically, like, they were sort of my first priority. But I wasn't locked in with any kind of contract.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: And I was making, I made 5000 for the pilot. And um, they were like, for every episode that we use you in, we'll pay you another five. Um, and so they said, we're going to use you in, in about five of the first ten. Uh, and what ended up happening was they used me in the first five back, right? <laughs> so so very, I think very quickly everyone realized like, this is a good thing. Yeah, this you're going to stay. This is working, yeah. right? Like, we like Amir and Dylan together. Amir's good with the other cast members too. Um, I was having a great time. And so then they came out and they said, okay, well, this was after probably like week three.
0: Where'd you guys film that?
1: At Fox. Um, after week three, they were like, look, that we had shot three and they had already locked me in for the next two. So they were like, okay, so let's lock you in for the rest of the season. Um, Sick. and, um, and, and we want to, uh, buy your pilot season so that we don't want you auditioning for any more pilots next year. Cause we want to be able to hold on to you for the following year.
0: So they basically put a hold on you for pilot season. Yeah, exactly. How does that go contract wise? Like what is, so,
1: the- um, so my team was like, okay, well, so he needs a raise, um, for these last five. Cool. Right. Because, because as a series regular, my quote, I think is up to 40,000 a week. Right. Amazing. And they're like, he's, he's basically functioning as a series regular for you guys, but you're only paying him 5,000, which is yeah, that was eighth. kind of shocking. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big drop now, you know, uh, it, there's a joke in the in the Middle Eastern actor community that uh, Middle Eastern actors don't do series regulars; they just do every episode. Um, <laughs> so, and and part of that is because as Middle Eastern actors, we know that we have fewer opportunities to play series regulars. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we're not sure what we're going to do with your character. We're just thinking we might use you for every single episode." So they don't lock you in. Yeah. And as a, and you're and, getting
0: like a guest star rate.
1: You're getting a guest star rate, which is anywhere from like two. Like three to ten thousand, depending mm-hmm. on what your sort of quote is, um, and you don't want to say no because you're like, yo, this is this is five grand a week. Yeah. Now, granted, that's before agents, before taxes. Of but course. Still. Yeah. Subtract um, like
0: forty to fifty percent. Yeah. So I then. give
1: I give twenty five percent to my agent, manager, and lawyer. Okay. Um, and then taxes is probably another. 20%. Always. Yeah. So, uh, because it's a high tax bracket.
0: I hate right. when people say things like, oh, she made $6 million for that movie. I'm like, yeah, so we'll cut that number in half and then <laughs> right. divide it by four.
1: You know, that being said, $3 is still great. Right. But- <laughs>
0: <laughs> not complaining. Um,
1: so, so they were like, okay, you know, he's operating like a series regular. You have him in every episode. Um, he's getting jokes and, you know, he's getting laughs every episode. Yeah. People like him. So you should be paying him as a series regular. You should be paying him 40 grand a week, not five. And Fox was like, haha, no. Um, so <laughs> so. Fox, said, um, Fox said, okay, we'll make it 10 for the last five episodes. Okay. Um, and um, we'll give him 10 to stay out of pilot season. And my team was like, well, given that he's basically operating as a series regular, there's a good chance he's going to book a pilot and make 40 grand this pilot season. So you need to pay him 40 grand to hold him. Um, How
0: much of your involvement was in this process of their negotiations? Did um, they come back to you for things?
1: Well, they, you know, they called me and they were like, look, they're offering 10 to hold you for pilot season. And we think that's bullshit. And I was like, okay, Um, because for me, I'm like, oh my god, all right. Get paid for not having a pilot. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Get paid to sit on my ass. Sounds great. (laughs) Um,
0: But also, my first thought is that sounds like a very small amount in considering what your quote is. What?
1: Well, also, yeah. I mean, the idea that the idea that I have a good shot of making forty grand for a pilot. Now, when you say for a pilot. That is for right. some for probably the only thing you're going to book for six months,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, so, forty grand for a week of work is great, but forty grand spread over six months right. is it's, a is a very different story. Now, still, that's a a great amount of money to be getting, you know. Still, understanding that I'm only taking home about half of that, yeah. Um, but but it's a very different story. Um, so. You know, I was excited that my team felt so strongly about Fox's first offer being bullshit, right? They were like, "No, we're not going to accept that for you." And I was like, "Okay, great, I, I trust you." Um, and then uh, it, it came around to Fox saying, "Okay, we're going to pay him ten for pilot season, but if we don't get a season two, then we'll give him forty, right?" So okay. we'll so we'll bump it up. Okay. Right. So, It'll um, pay you for lost time. Yeah, basically. exactly. Exactly. Um, so as it happened, uh, we didn't. I
0: like, I'm like, okay, like I'm, like, I'm negotiating. for you. <laughs> He'll agree to that.
1: <laughs> so as it happened, we didn't get a season two. So okay. I ended up getting that, um, that additional fee. So, you know, it sucks that I wasn't able to do a pilot that I'm not on a TV show right now. Um, but at least I sort of essentially had the amount of money that I would have made had I, Done a pilot, yeah. that didn't get picked
0: up. It's more of a creative loss than a financial loss. How do you feel? Yeah, about, well, both. Really. How do you feel about uh, doing a show that uh, I watched every episode? I actually really like the show. Um, about being on a show for a season, then it getting canceled. What is that like? Well,
1: you know, it's tough uh, in the sense that y- as an actor, it's so rare to have any kind of stability or anything you can depend on. Um, so the whole time we were making it, there was a, a really very clear sense on everybody's part that like, this is awesome. We have to enjoy it while it lasts. Cause you never know. Um, you know, it's different from doing a play where, you know, for sure it's going to end in eight weeks. You know, for us, it was like, we're going to be done shooting this in three months. Um, And that might be it. And we might also get five seasons. You never know. Was Um, there a
0: pressure to that of performing in a way that made like the best show possible for a second season? Or did that even cross your mind? You know, I suspect
1: that maybe like Dylan, the lead, and Kim, the second lead, uh, may have felt more of that. I think there's a sense, you know, you start getting into – uh, when you're when you're like the the leads on a show, you're getting a lot of input from the network y- you hear more of sort of network notes of yeah, the network really wants to make your character more likable or the network's worried that your character isn't um, isn't fun enough or whatever like those those kind of and so you start to you start to wonder what you can do as an actor, and sometimes you know depending on your status as an actor, you can, you can, once you get the script, you go, oh, I don't like this. We need to change this. This isn't likable enough. This is too mean. This is too sexist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um And that can be, that can create some sort of complicated dynamics between stars and uh creative teams. Um, I think that once you get down to number three on the call sheet, number five on the call sheet, or, as I like to call it, my sweet spot, number six on the call sheet, <laughs> um, you you don't really you don't really imagine how your character is going to drive viewership and ratings. You just try to do the best job you can. Mm-hmm
0: is it like that summer camp syndrome like you're with these people so often consistently for so many weeks and then you don't see each other again
1: yeah i mean it's really wild it's it's like summer camp or college where you see your friends every day that's such a rare thing in la um there there's there's it it it's such a desert here and everything's so spread out that that it's rare to see your best friends regularly. Yeah. You have to work really hard to see your best friends.
0: Especially if they move to the West Side. You yeah, I'll see them once a year.
1: When I <laughs> go out with my wife and I see like eight friends at the table next to me, I'm like, how'd you make that happen? Put
0: it on the calendar like three months ago. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, I mean, you definitely feel that sense of like, you know, that this is so great, we have to make this last as long as we can. I think you might feel that a little more after the show premieres, um, and and I certainly felt a certain amount of pressure to be active on social media, to engage fans, um, to be available for interviews and appearances, um, because you never know what you know what you need as far as you never know what you can do to help the numbers. Yeah. Right. So it's, you're constantly just tweeting like tell your friends, make sure you watch, watch live, <laughs> watch DVR it. If you can't watch live, all that stuff. Um, and, um, and it's, it, it, it was a weird thing. It was the first time I'd ever, cause I was on a show a long time ago, but it was, wasn't when social media was really a thing. Um, and it was an interesting thing to both feel a responsibility professionally, to engage fans but also like feel a genuine um gratitude and love for these fans who were just like stoked about the show and happy to like tweet with you like i like it was interesting cuz i like legitimately liked these people but also understood that like engaging with them was good for my livelihood yeah. it was a very strange thing yeah
0: the social media world of this connection is very interesting yeah it's like a whole new era of that stuff yeah did you guys do guest directors on LA to Vegas or did you have a consistent director I don't
1: I, I think there's very few shows that have the same director uh, uh, consistently I, I, I don't know of one right now yeah. maybe Game of Thrones has like you know what I have no idea what Game of Thrones has <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had over the 14, 15 episodes we had, I would say we had one, two, three people return for more than one episode.
0: What is that like as an actor when you start to come up with a character and like ideas and relationships and then you have a director comes in who doesn't really necessarily know all of those things?
1: It's a really interesting dynamic uh, because it's different from film, right? In film, the director has been with the process from the beginning, and a lot of times they've also written it. Um, In TV, I've spent much more time with my character than this director has, which is really interesting. Um, You know, what that leads to sometimes is actors to be like, my character wouldn't do that. And it's like, usually you're wrong. Usually... Usually, you would do it because people act inconsistently. Um, but also, that can, that can bring back in the like, oh, people don't like when my character does that.
0: Right. Like <laughs> right. The, the upper echelon notes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, um, you know, for me, I, I think of when I'm a regular or a heavy recur like I was on LA to Vegas, I think of it as me like hosting a party. Um, and I think of like the director and the major guest stars as, um, the guests of honor at the party. Um, and then I think of the co-stars as like the, uh, friends of those people who I don't really know, but like, I'm still glad they're at the party. I don't get a chance to talk to them much, but, uh, but they, they're, they're nice. Um, even though we have a, you know, just a brief conversation. Um, and living, then extra, I'm living
0: for this metaphor. Keep going. <laughs> extras,
1: extras are an interesting thing because it depends. Because on LA to Vegas, we had a lot of regular extras. Yeah. So those people are sort of like, um, like they're throwing the party with you. But uh, hmm, what's a good like metaphor? Help me out. Like, what, um, what, what if you're throwing a party? You you throw the same party with the same people. You know what it is? It's like if you are like a party planner and there's, you use the same like bartenders and bar backs every week, Uh like you rely on them, you see them every week, but you don't engage with them very much because you're focused on other stuff. Great. And then like the extras who are not regular extras, those are just like plus ones of plus ones who you're like, you know, glad you're here filling it out, but I don't have the occasion to talk time. to you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so, it, 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 so, so,
1: the, so, the, so my point is when I think of those directors as guests of honor at my party. So for me, I'm like, welcome to the party. Um, this is how I normally do my parties, but look, you're the guest of honor. So like, is there anything different you want at this party? Do you want, you know, a a a, a Kentucky mule instead of a Moscow mule?
0: right? (laughs) What's your thing? I love that. No, that's great. That's a great analogy. It's such a weird world. You've, you've done so many, uh, you've done so many guest stars, co-stars, like your IMDB is just like stacked with like episodes and episodes and episodes. What's, what's some takeaways you think that actors should know that you've learned in the process? Maybe something you wish you knew before you kind of got into that world.
1: I think for me, the, the, the key is to, is, is when it comes to auditioning. I, I, auditioning is the most important part of your job um, because you're going to audition way more than you're ever going to be on set. Way, way, way more. Uh, so you need to be okay with auditioning. You need to be good at auditioning. Um, but the key to auditioning well is to be professionally invested so that you put the work in so that you're sort of present in the room and personable, but emotionally disconnected so that you know that this audition, uh, is not going to be a statement of your character or even your talent. And if you're planning on beating the odds, by becoming a working actor which that that's those are the only actors is right actors who have beat the odds cuz the odds suck you have to approach every audition as one of many right so like you have to give your all to it knowing that it's important but you also have to know that like you're going to have many auditions after this if you're not going to have many auditions after this then you need to quit <laughs> Right. So, 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 so you have to make the choice to not obsess or get in your feelings about an audition after the fact you can, you know, roll it back in your head like an athlete playing game tape, right? Oh, I did this. I should have done that. That's legitimate. Right. But to beat yourself up or to be angry about the sort of system in which you're auditioning, that's not Terribly useful. Right? Or if there's some jerk in the waiting room. Or in the audition room. You know. You just gotta let that go. It sucks. But it happens. You gotta be emotionally disconnected from that shit.
0: That's such good advice. That's so good. Amir, that's, that brings us to the end. Okay, great. That's it. All right. Um, where do you want people to find you online or anything you have coming out, anything you want to promote?
1: Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I've written a few pieces recently uh, for Vulture. Uh, is cool. my most recent one. Um, I'm really happy with the Vulture piece. I, I get more into that study that just came out about Middle Eastern actors.
0: I'll, I'll attach it in the show notes. Great. What's your um, Twitter handle?
1: Amir Talai, A-M-I-R-T-A-L-A-I. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and pimp my wife's podcast because yeah. it's great. It do has it. nothing to do with me. But uh, she's an uh, expert at saving money and working points and miles so that you travel for free. So her so podcast cool. is called Get to the Point, colon, saving money, no joke. Because she used to be a comic. She's really funny. Um, but now she's a money expert.
0: So cool. It's a great show. I'll Y'all listen that to it. too in the bottom. Great. Delightful. Yay. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. It this was, was fun. Awesome. This was awesome. All right, guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Amir, thank you so much for your time and energy and everything you have to offer. I love your opinions and your outlook on this business and you take it really seriously, but also in a light way, which is really refreshing. You guys check out Amir, check out his wife's podcast, all of those links and so much more are on onebrokeactress.com. If you click the podcast section, you can check out everything there. Peruse the site a little bit. And while we're at it, since you guys hung to the end of the episode, I'll give you a little hint. You guys are going to have a bonus episode waiting for you tomorrow as a Thanksgiving treat. This is our newest sponsor who will be on the podcast tomorrow, giving you his background in Los Angeles, as well as his business and what it is contributing and why I think you as actors need to know about it and a bonus discount because that's just what I do making dreams come true over here (laughs) all right someone cut her off you guys thank you so much for listening I hope you have an awesome Thanksgiving and I will talk to you next week